Hey guys, Eric Lindine here. I'm the lead pastor of Mosaic Church in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you, and that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Hey everybody, good morning. My name is Eric, I get to be the pastor here. I just wanna welcome everyone online. I know there's a bunch of you who are watching online today because of the snow, and so we're glad that you're here uh, with us in spirit watching online. So we just wanna say again, welcome. Uh, if you're watching at home or here in the room, would you stand up with us and we're gonna for the uh, reading of God's word. We've been working our way backwards through the story of the gospel, starting in the book of Acts and the church Uh, which is us. The story continues with us and working our way backwards. And last week we talked about the cross and what that means for us and and celebrating communion. And now we're going to go backwards through that and we're going to find ourselves in Luke chapter 4. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. And that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Would you join me in prayer? Jesus, I thank you that you came to preach good news to the poor. That you came to set the captives free, those who are bound by addiction and shame, guilt, and just the past. That you came to open the eyes of those who are blind, both physically and spiritually, and to proclaim that the Lord's favor is here at hand. So Jesus, we just want to say thank you. Be with us now as we study your word. Let us be both inspired as well as challenged to take this message out throughout this week and into our everyday, ordinary lives. And we pray, amen. You can take a seat. He played like a man inspired. He played like a man inspired. What does that make you think of? Perhaps an athlete where you watch him and whether it's Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and you're like, wow, what he did, he was like a man inspired. Or if you're older like me, you remember Wayne Gretzky playing hockey. He played like a man inspired. Or perhaps, you know, that pitcher in the World Series who's just throwing a no-hitter through many innings. He played like a man inspired, or perhaps Michael Jordan, if you ever got a chance to watch him, or one of my favorite athletes to watch, Steph Curry. Uh, just, he plays like a man inspired. What do we mean when we, we say that? I'll never forget the first time I got to see you 2 in concert. I was newly married, and I actually had purchased tickets. I'd waited in line for hours and hours and hours to get standing room tickets. And then we moved to Colorado, so actually, we flew back just a couple of months after moving to Colorado to come to the concert here at the Target Center. 
And again, we were standing in line for hours because we wanted to get a good spot on the floor. And, and, I was, and I was only maybe 10 feet from some of my heroes, musical heroes, Bono and The Edge, at the edge of the stage. And just watching them play and, and the music they made and just the way they could move a crowd as they played, you know, some of my favorite songs, Where the Streets Have No Name and, you know, A Beautiful Day and all these songs. It was like, man, they played inspired. It, so what do we mean when we say that? Oftentimes it's, it's like we're saying that out of nowhere something came over them and they made this amazing performance. But really what, what, that's not what really happens is there's usually a lifetime of practice, of Steph Curry on the basketball court, shooting again and again and again and again, the musician by himself in the practice room, practicing his chords and his riffs, whatever it might be. When we see that inspired performance, what we aren't usually seeing is the lifetime of dedication of the mundane, of the ordinary Behind the scenes, the long obedience in the same direction that then ultimately leads to that inspired performance. When Jesus stands up really to kick off his public ministry and he grabs the scroll in his boyhood home and he looks out in the city that he grew up in and he knows everyone out there. They know him and he reads this text from Isaiah of the promised Messiah And he says, today that prophecy has been fulfilled in your hearing. And the Bible says that they were all amazed. Who is this? Isn't this Joseph's son? Don't we know him? And it seemed like this inspired performance. But what we don't see in this text, but actually Dr. Luke, our author, gives us some clues when we go back to Luke 1 through 4, is that this was a lifetime of Jesus' obedience, of of prayer time with his father, of studying the scriptures, of, in fact, going to be baptized by his cousin John and having the affirmation of his father. We're going to talk about that in uh, in two weeks. This is my son with whom I am well pleased, of then going out into the desert to face temptation by the devil. And see, all this prepared Jesus, all this stuff that was really behind the scenes that no one saw until Dr. Luke carefully investigated and interviewed people and found out what what led to this inspired sermon by Jesus. In the same way, for us as followers of Jesus, so much of our Christian walk is that mundane, ordinary stuff that people don't see behind the scenes. It's getting up earlier than maybe you want to, to open your Bible, to do some journaling, to walk around the block or around the city to meet with Jesus and have a prayer walk. It's taking 24 hours of Sabbath, of having some time of silence. It's all these little spiritual habits and practices we've been talking about that build up over a lifetime, and then you have those inspired moments where you are able to do something for God's glory. But whoa, where did that come from? It seems like it's out of nowhere. But it's really that, that lifetime that builds towards that. So Jesus gets up in this inspired message, and then he goes on. He says, certainly, 
There were many needy widows in Israel in Elijah's time, when the heavens were closed for three and a half years, and a severe famine devastated the land. He's talking about Elijah, one of the great prophets of the Old Testament, and Elijah prayed that there would be no rain for three and a half years, and there, there wasn't. And he says, hey, there were many needy widows in that time, yet Elijah was not sent to any of these needy widows in Israel. He was sent instead to a foreigner, a widow of Zarephath in the land of Sidon. And they're like, whoa, what, what are you doing here, Jesus? Why are you talking about this story? And he goes on. And many in Israel had leprosy in the time of the prophet Elisha. But the only one healed was Naaman, a Syrian. Elisha was the protege of Elijah and did many amazing miracles and wonders. And Jesus is actually now comparing himself like a prophet, like Elijah and Elisha. And he says there were many who were sick, had leprosy, who needed to be healed. But Elisha wasn't sent to any of them to heal them and Instead, the only one he healed was Naaman, a Syrian. Now, Naaman was actually the commander of their enemy army. And Elisha healed him of his disease. So Jesus is telling these stories how Elijah was sent to a foreigner to save her and give her sustenance and this miraculous provision. And then Elisha wasn't sent to heal any of the Israelites who were sick, but to the commander of the foreign army. So how did the people respond? When they heard this, the people in the synagogue were furious. Jumping up, they mobbed him and forced him to the edge of the hill on which the town was built. They intended to push him over the cliff to kill him. But he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. At least when people don't like what I'm preaching, they just leave. They don't try to kill me. Amen. That's dark humor. There we go. So why did they get so upset? Jesus talking about Elisha sent to Naaman, and, and then these other foreigners who were healed. This is like someone during World War II in England or France saying, hey, just so you know, there's going to be healing and favor for Adolf Hitler. And the people are like, this is not what we want to hear. We don't want to hear about God's grace for our enemies. And so they are enraged, and they go to kill him. See, the problem that Jesus is saying is that Israel's God rescues the wrong people. Israel's God tends to rescue the wrong people. See, all of us have someone in mind who is the wrong people. Well, well, certainly God couldn't show favor and provision to those people. Don't you know who they voted for? And, and we're thinking of different political parties when we say that. Don't you know? No, what, what do you mean, but Jesus says, no, 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 you don't get it. See, while you're worried about who's in and who's out, I'm saying that everyone is allowed in. That I've come to preach the good news to everyone. Here's what Tim Keller says. We must realize that the only possible way to respond to Jesus is extremely 
See, we've said this, that Jesus doesn't give us the option to say, hey, he's just a nice guy like Mr. Rogers who said some nice teaching. When people met Jesus, like really met the real Jesus, they had an extreme response. Here's how John Stott, theologian, says it. He says, nobody who met Jesus had a moderate reaction to him. There were only three reactions to him. They either hated him and wanted to kill him, like in this story. They were afraid of him and wanted to run away. Or they were absolutely smitten with him. And they tried to give their whole lives to him. See, the problem is too many Americans just like Jesus. On Facebook, it's so easy to like different pages, right? Just click that like, and ah, then we go on with our life. And I think the problem is, as Christians, too often we've just tried to make Jesus something that appeals to us. Hey, hey, Jesus, he's nice. Even, you know, Gandhi says, Christians, you're Jesus I like, but the Christians, uh, not so much. Probably because Gandhi perhaps didn't meet the real Jesus. He doesn't give us that option to just like him. See, either we will hate him because he both welcomes everybody and yet draws very hard lines on what the truth is. They'll be afraid and say, ah, no, no, this is getting in my business too much. I, nope, I just, I want out of this. Or, or, you meet the real Jesus. And you are not bored by him. You can't just like him. You get on your knees in thankfulness that someone could love you so, so much that in spite of your imperfections, in spite of all the ways you mess up and come up short, he says, I love you. That he will never leave you or forsake you. This Jesus, who with strength and courage went to the cross and hung there for six long, excruciating hours, so that our sins could be forgiven. And then he rose again. And what does he do? Peter, who denies him, he makes him breakfast and just says, hey, I still want you to feed my sheep. When Thomas, who's got some doubts, like all the other disciples, and when Thomas meets Jesus, he's like, come here, Thomas, it's okay, come here. Put your hands, put your finger in my hand, in the hole. It's really me, it's okay. And then he, he breathes on his disciples. He gives them his spirit. He says, now you go and do likewise and tell everyone they're welcomed in. But it's not some wishy-washy thing. There is truth. There is justice. There's a right way to live. And so we speak the truth in love. We fight against injustice. We serve those around us who are less fortunate than us. We give generously with great power and great grace. If your reaction to Jesus is just, meh, then I think you haven't met the real 
Jesus. So Jesus doesn't give us that option. Big idea this morning. Number one, we need to share the real Jesus. The real Jesus who says, hey, God came to bless the army commander of the enemy army, even him. And that widow who's living in another country who's an immigrant and a foreigner, God came to love and bless her too. And, and, and the sketchy women who's found out in sin, I came to save her too. And the tax collectors who are greedy and obsessed with money and workaholics, I came to save them too. And the zealots who are really into fringe theories and want to overthrow the government or stockpiling you know, their own stuff in their basement, I came to save them too. That person who's telling everyone you need to get a vaccination, I came for that person too. That person who doesn't feel comfortable getting a vaccination and tells people not to get a vaccine, I came for that person too. See, Jesus came for all of us. Then he works on us and says, okay, I'm going to take you where you are. I'm going to help you move in love and grace towards becoming more like me. And so we all got stuff we need to work on, but it's going to be different. But our reaction when we meet the real Jesus can't just be, meh, it's Jesus, I don't know. See, I think too many times we haven't shared the real Jesus. And so culture's response has been just maybe to check the like on Facebook and then move on. See, when we talk about the real Jesus, people's responses really are going to be either anger, fear, or love. Now, here's the thing. We can't control what their response is going to be to Jesus. Our job is to share the real Jesus. Hey, this is who Jesus is. He welcomes all sorts of outsiders. Yep, even that person. Yep, yep. And, and he loves you too. And it's not just about some mental belief. He wants you to follow him, which means you're going to do some things. You're, you're going you're gonna to follow in his footsteps. Your life is going to no longer belong to you. It's going to belong to him. And we should get on our knees and pray, Jesus, when I share the real you with my neighbor, with my friend, with my relative, I pray that their response is love. But at the end of the day, it's out of my hands. Our job is to throw the seed. We can't control the soil. So first thing, we have to share the real Jesus. We go on, Luke 4, 38. After leaving the synagogue that day, Jesus went to Simon's house. This is Peter. He becomes the rock that Jesus builds a church on. Where he found Simon's mother-in-law very sick with a high fever. Please heal her, everyone begged. A couple years ago, I would have made a joke about mother-in-laws, but not today. I've grown. Thank you, thank you. Standing at her bedside, he rebuked the fever. I love that. And it left her. And she got up at once and prepared a meal for them. What a great mother-in-law. She's lying in bed sick. Boom, Jesus heals her. She's like, come on, I'm going to make some casserole here or whatever it might be. I don't know. As the sun went down that evening, people throughout the village brought sick family members to Jesus. No matter what their diseases were, 
The touch of his hand healed every one. The second thing we see is to serve others. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. To give his life as a ransom for many. And people that were touched by Jesus, their response was to serve others. Peter's mother-in-law, she's lying there. She's near death. She could say, boom, what does she do? She starts to serve others. People start to bring the sick, and the disciples are like, come on in. Jesus, this, this little boy, he, he's got issues. He can't talk. Can you, can you heal him? He prays for him. Boom, he's healed. You know, this, this, this man had, a, had an accident. He can't walk. Jesus, can you, can you heal him? And people are bringing their friends, their family members to Jesus, and he's healing them. And the disciples are, are serving others as they're, you know, giving water to people while they're waiting in line. They're, they're fixing food. They're, they're inviting people in. They're showing hospitality in this home. Lives that have been touched by Jesus, our response should be to serve others. This isn't just an infomercial to serve at church, okay? <laughs> our whole lives should be lives of service. That means husbands, we wake up in the morning and say, how can I serve and love my wife? How can I lay down my own preferences and say, how can I serve her today? Wives, it's waking up and saying, how can I serve my husband today? Kids, how can I serve my siblings, my parents? How can I serve my neighbors who maybe still haven't raked all their leaves or as the snow comes, you've got a great snowblower and your neighbor doesn't. You go over there, you clear it out. How can you serve someone who's having surgery this week? Bring them a meal. Send them flowers. Send them a card. Lives that have been touched by Jesus, our response should be serving others. Early the next morning, Jesus went out to an isolated place. The crowd searched everywhere for him, and when they finally found him, they begged him not to leave him. This is so key. Again and again, when you read the Gospels, you see that Jesus made it this habit, oftentimes early in the morning, to get up, get to an isolated place with his Father. If Jesus, the perfect, sinless Son of God, made it a habit to get up early and spend some one-on-one -on -one time with his father, how much more do you and I need to do that? It's going to look different for all of us. It, it may mean as you brew that cup of coffee, you want to light a candle. Christians have been doing this for 2,000 years as a way to focus your mind and your heart on the light of the world and say, Jesus, help me, fill me, sustain me. Perhaps that's opening your study Bible and reading some verses in the notes as you fill your mind and heart with God's truth. Maybe it's reading a verse out of the daily Bible and you're going to take it apart and you're going to journal it and, and, and you're going to uh, kind of maybe even draw it or, or whatever it is to get that word into you. Maybe it's turning on some worship music early on in your commute. But gang, we, we gotta, we gotta do this. Be like Jesus and find some time to Reconnect with our Heavenly Father. See, again and again, we see Jesus refueling himself. That's what we have to do. 
Because if we just give and give and give, we get burned out. And Josh talked about that this morning, that it was an empty cup. We can't pour out of an empty cup. We got to get refueled again and again. And being refueled, it's not a command to do more. It's not something to add to your to-do list. It's simply an invitation to connect with your heavenly Father. Something we get to do, not something we have to do. And I love that Jesus, he's pouring out and he's serving and he's healing and he's loving. And then he's got to get up early. Oh, Father, I'm exhausted. Fill me anew. Give me strength. I love the humanity of Jesus. He needed sleep just like us. He needed to eat good foods and get water and have time with his friends, but he also needed some time alone. And so the people, they beg him not to leave, but he replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns because that is why I was sent. So he continued to travel around preaching in synagogues throughout Judea. The third thing, practice solitude. Again, maybe this is something that's not something that's in your normal rhythms, but I beg you, I implore you. Solitude may be in your own house. (laughs) Maybe you need to convert a closet or an area of your house that, hey, this is where I go to meet with Jesus. Right now, it's, it's in my dining room. That's where I go to meet with Jesus, and I have my, my Bible, and I have my journal. My kids sometimes are watching cartoons, and I'll be like, I need to turn down a little bit because I meet with Jesus right here. Sometimes, if the shows get a little too loud in the mornings and they're up before school, I'll be like, can you guys go to the basement and watch this show? Because I need an isolated place to practice solitude, even in the midst of my family. And Kristen's always like, I don't know how you do it. You can tune people out. And, and I'm blessed because I think oftentimes... Chris and I will be sitting there and the kids ignore me and it's like I have a cloak of invisibility and they only see mom. It's something about kids. Like, mom, mom, mom. She's like, he's right there. I'm like, I'm with Jesus. Just solitude place. (laughs) But we all need to be refueled so that we can share the real Jesus. We can serve others, but you gotta have this. This is so, so important. We talked about Acts 4 Church, the first week of this series. What does it look like? What kind of church do we want to be? We see this in Acts 4. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. We say, hey, that's our prayer. When you wake up in the morning, Jesus, fill me with your spirit. I can't do this on my own strength. I need your spirit. They spoke the word of God with boldness. We want to be the kind of church that speaks the word of God with boldness, amen, on Sunday mornings, in our community groups, and then when we're just scattered, having coffee, having lunch, whenever it comes up, we share the word of God with boldness. They had a unity of heart and soul. This is why it's so important for us to pray together. We talked how gathering plus praying equals unifying. This is why... Every time our staff gets together, we spend some time in prayer. Every time our governing team gathers together, we spend some time in prayer. Every Tuesday night at the Anderson's house, we spend some time in prayer. Every Wednesday night at our house, we spend some time in prayer. Every Thursday night at the Fodset's house, we spend some time in prayer. Because this helps bring unity. It's a lot harder 
to think the worst about someone and hold on to a grudge when you're sitting and praying next to them. They had unity of heart and soul. Number four, they had great power and great grace. I love that. God was doing things. He was changing lives. And they had this great power, but also great grace. It was, hey, we're all going to mess up. We're all going to say things. We're going to be too much. And when that happens, great grace. Great grace. Hey, I forgive you. I'm going to let it go. Matthew 18, when you have a problem with someone, you bring it to that person. You don't bring it to your small group. You don't bring it to your prayer partner. You don't vent. As long as it's not an emotionally abusive situation, but you bring it to that person. And if it doesn't go well, then you grab one or two from the church. That's what Jesus tells us to do. Great grace. And they were exceedingly generous. They gave of their time, of their resources, of their giftedness. That's the kind of church we want to be. We said this, that we want to save the lost at any cost. Jesus, after he rose again, he gave them this charge. All authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. Go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Who are the lost? It's people who feel so alone right now who feel trapped in their house, who feel like they don't have any friends or understand they feel lost right now. It's that person in a marriage and they're silently struggling because they don't have the connection and the community and the communication they want with their spouse and they feel so lost. It's that person who's working a job they hate and they don't know any way out. They don't know what to do and they feel so lost that person who's never met the real Jesus because the only Jesus they've ever been taught was kind of just, meh. And they wonder if there's a purpose and a reason that they are alive, if there's a God out there who loves them when they are so lost. Church, we're called to save the lost at any cost. What does that mean? We don't save them, we bring them to Jesus. And Jesus saves, amen. We gotta share the real Jesus. We gotta serve others. And then we gotta practice solitude. We gotta get refueled. We get refueled, and then we go and serve and give and share. And then we get refueled. Uh, my, my time alone with Jesus, I'm, I'm opening my Bible, I, I'm praying the Psalms, I'm, I'm meditating on these deep words of the Apostle Paul and the book of Romans and, 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 and Hebrews and, and all these things that are written in the Bible and then I'm meeting with my community group and we're praying and we're worshiping and I'm getting filled up so that then I can share, I can serve. And then, and then Monday morning, I'm, I'm opening my Bible and I'm, I'm getting refueled and then Tuesday night I meet with my community group and, I, and I'm sharing what God's been teaching me and how he's been encouraging my heart and we're singing and we're worshiping together so that then I can share and serve. And then I'm getting refueled. And it's this cycle again and again. And that's what Jesus did. He brought the kingdom, an upside-down kingdom, not a kingdom of strength and power and, and an empire, but an upside-down kingdom, a kingdom of love and grace. A kingdom that sees everyone. That's what we've been called to do. Filled with the Spirit. Speaking the word of God with boldness. 
unified, great power, great grace, exceedingly generous. Your next step, maybe you're watching online, maybe you're here this morning. Here perhaps is your next step. Number one, try out a community group the week after Thanksgiving. So our community groups this week, actually, we're doing separate guys out, ladies night out. So one of the great things about being in a community group is that you know you're going to get a girls night, you know you're going to get a guys night at least once in that semester, right? So that's what our guys and gals are doing next week. Thanksgiving, we're off. But then the week after that, November 30th at the Andersons, December 1st at our house, December 2nd at the Fodstads. This is like try before you buy. Come on out. You're, you're our guests. What's, what's a communion group like? Some of you were at our Sunday service last week. And many of you are like, man, this, what, what a cool feeling. We're, we're all together and different people. We're sharing encouragement of heart and we're singing together. That's a lot like what our communion groups are like. And so if that touched your heart and you're not in a community group, hey, give one a try. We're also looking at launching a new community group in January. Um, for those who uh, maybe just be a little nervous being around others, and so um, talk to me about the vaccination status in that group, and it's going to be, yeah, just kind of its own unique group in January. But if you're open to being around others, and you're open right now and you go to different places, I want to encourage you, try out a community group. Again, just once. Be our guest. Tuesday night, Wednesday night, or Thursday night. Just try it once. And then after that, our small group's actually going to serve our neighbors, and then they're doing Christmas parties, and then we're taking two weeks off, and things kick back off in January. So maybe, again, you haven't tried a community group. They're a little different than our small groups have been. Uh, so give, give them a try. Number two, give generously on December 5th. That's in a couple weeks. Oftentimes what we like to do at Mosaic is to say, hey, uh, we want you to think about giving over and above your regular giving so that as a church, we can bless people in an extra special way. So last year, you guys responded amazingly, giving over and above. And so we were able to, to uh, Skype our, uh, or whatever it was, Zoom, I think, uh, our global partners and say, hey, we're sending an extra $1,000 to you this year uh, because I know you know, COVID's been a little crazy, but because our people gave generously, we were able to go to the school counselor here at Osseo High School and say, hey, our people gave over and above, and so we've got $3,000 that we'd love to bless you with. And you know what? They don't have to know it's from Mosaic. It's not about us. And they were able to take this money into account and the poorest of the poorest of the poor to say, hey, you, you need some help with, with getting a backpack or or some school clothes, or a winter jacket. Because a lot of times teenagers, they don't want to go to a secondhand store. And that's okay. And so the social worker here at Osseo High School was able to just bless a whole bunch of families and kids because of your generosity. And so on December 5th, we're going to have an extra special offering that's not going to go to Mosaic Church, not to the operations of the church. But this is like fun play money that we as the leadership get to say, hey, what do we want to do? We want to give extra to Cross. We want to give to our global partners. We want to give here to the church. It's things like, remember a couple weeks ago on our birthday, we, we invited Domino's Pizza and the pizza delivery man said it was the weirdest delivery he's ever made. We brought him up on stage and I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. This feels really weird. I hate doing this kind of stuff in front of others because I feel like then it's look at us as a show, but I really feel like this is what we're supposed to do. And we gave him a thousand dollar tip. And that guy, man, he was so blessed because it's better to give than receive. And, and that's what we want to do. So think about it. Maybe there's something just, just a little bit over an extra, and, and we're just going to uh, have a different account that you can give to online or with a check. 
And again, that's just money that we're just purely outside of the church to love and serve those around us. This is something you can talk to about your kids even. Say, hey, you know what we're going to do? You know, kids, we're going to do one last Christmas gift this year because we want to give over and above to our church so that they can bless the kids and students here at Osteo High School, our global partners, Cross Food Bank, different ways. So think about that. Third one, sign up to start serving or to do the Green Book. Sign up to start serving. Many of you have started serving for the first time. That's so awesome. I love seeing people. Now you're, you're, you're getting back to things, and we're helping people uh, uh, with the setup team, with kids ministry, all that stuff. And then the Green Book. That's our discipleship tool we've been doing. 15-week curriculum where you're just sitting face-to-face with someone. You're talking about what does it mean to follow Jesus. And actually, I'm going to ask, uh, he doesn't like this that much, but Aaron, can you stand up? Aaron actually finished the Green Book this week. He's our very first one, so give him a hand. Woo-hoo! You are a fully devoted follower of Jesus now. We give you a certificate. Uh, But no, now that Aaron has finished the Green Book, now he wants to do the Green Book with someone. That's the hope and the goal. You finish with me, then you get to go do it with someone else. So if you're interested in doing the Green Book, talk to Aaron. He's a man of few words. So it'll probably go a little shorter uh, than mine, which is like uh, usually like an hour, hour and a half meeting with people. Maybe, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes. We'll see how fast Aaron can get it done with. Uh, it's actually a lot of, you kind of read through the book together and you're looking up scriptures and then you just answer a few questions. But again, it's a great tool to grow. So if you want to try that out uh, and you're like, I don't want to meet with the pastor. Aaron, super easy. Even he might have been a top secret spy at one time in his life. It's all right. Uh, he's a great person to sit down with. Have coffee. What's your next step today? so that you can share the real Jesus. You can serve others, practice solitude to get filled up. I'm gonna invite the band to come on up, and I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna continue our time of worship. We've been kind of tweaking our service order a little bit, of having a little bit more upbeat songs up front, and then now having some response time, where, say, Jesus, out of this message, what do you want me to take into this week? What's that one thing I'm going to do? Maybe it's to serve your neighbor this week. Maybe it's to look at your budget and say, how can I give a little extra on December 5th? Maybe it's, hey, you know what? I need to put in my calendar times of solitude where I can get refilled with Jesus. I don't know what that is. But during this next song and the song after that, just be praying. Jesus, what do you want me to do with the message I just heard? How can I take this and allow him to do the deep work that only he can do, that change and transform you to become more like him. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you came to seek and save the lost. And God, that you invite every one of us to come follow you. And God, I thank you that the doors are open, that everyone's welcome at the table. And now I pray as we follow in the footsteps of you, our rabbi, our teacher, our Lord, that each and every one of us, you just give us that, that nudge in our hearts and, and the stillness of our minds of, of what's that next step? Is it, hey, I need to start serving somewhere. Is it, you know what, I haven't really talked about Jesus, the real Jesus with my friends, my neighbors, my coworkers, and God, just give me the opportunity to share how you've changed and transformed my life. Maybe it's putting in our calendars just that time to get alone with you.
whatever it is, God, I pray you would be our king and that we would bow and submit our finances, our calendars, our priorities to you. We would offer all that we are and say, Jesus, how do you want to use these things that you put in my hands, the gifts, the talents, the abilities, the relationships, my calendar, my bank account, all these things. How do you want me to follow you, my king, and to share you, to serve others, to love others? Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing this song together. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Maple Grove podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Mosaic Maple Grove. Your generosity allows this message to go out into the world. You can be a part of the Mosaic Tribe by going to mymosaicchurch.com. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. Grace and peace, my friends.